Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin and I'm joined by my co-host Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we're also joined by Anthony. What's up? Justin, aka Cooch Boy. AKA Cooch Boy. What's up, y'all? Scott Miller. Hello. Dylan Thompson. Hey guys. Evan White. Hey, what's up? Gabriel Carlson. Howdy. And Corey Novotny. How's it going? And this is the most ambitious crossover episode of Affable Chat to date, because today we're talking about Avengers Infinity War. What I predicted came to pass. Congratulations, you're a prophet. I'm a survivor. Who wants to murder trillions. With all six stones, I could simply snap my fingers. They would all cease to exist. I call that mercy. And then what? I finally rest and watch the sunrise on a grateful universe. The hardest choices require the strongest wills. This is a superhero movie directed by Anthony and Joe Russo. The cast includes one big purple boy, Marvel Chris number one, Marvel Chris number two, Marvel Chris number three, Eggs Benedict, the human spider getting stabbed in the chest, Ellie Brody. Gabe from Us, Lucy, and Gabe from 8th Grade. I watched this movie on Netflix. I'm sure you did that as well, Joey. And, you know, honestly, we all either watch this in the theater or on Netflix. We don't need to ask everyone how they watched it. Um, but if you haven't seen it and you're listening to this podcast, it is on Netflix, very easily accessible. Uh, so you can go watch that right now. Joey, go ahead and hit us with that synopsis. A big purple guy expands his rock collection. And that's Infinity War. We're going to get started because we got a lot of things to say here. Uh, we're going to start with the pros. Cooch Boy, why don't you start us off? Well, I think like the most obvious thing we could possibly talk about is the fact that Thanos is probably the greatest villain of our time. He's just so well written in this movie that not only is he probably the most perfectly written you know, movie villain in the past 20 years, he's also this generation's Darth Vader. And I dare anyone to wow. prove me wrong. That's high praise. Well, yeah. I mean, he's got like everything. Like Darth Vader has like that breathing thing. Thanos has like just so many beam lines that like it is perfect. Um, you know, uh, one doesn't consider fun when bouncing the universe, but this does put a smile <laughs> on my face. That was not even in the movie, but like <laughs> you still remember it. Uh, he's just he's just that good. I guess what makes him a compelling villain? And anybody can answer that. I think he has ambition ambition yeah it's like and you also get like backstory which you don't usually get much on your villains because they're it's just done in one movie but like this whole movie is dedicated to like thanos's origin almost, you know yeah well he's kind of more the protagonist in this movie than he is the antagonist because i mean is that because his motivation is very solid i mean that was my that was one of my pros was that all of his motivations are totally believable and it's kind of a thought that that everyone's had where it's like yeah if you look at the world objectively, yes, there are way too many people on this planet and it's, and it's making the world not sustainable. And then if you look at it from like a, if you're not empathizing and you're just like this omniscient kind of third party, the logical solution would be to just kill half the people, right? And then you're like problem solved. Sure. So it's, it's so from a bad guy perspective, it's like, right. yeah, that sort of makes sense. It's kind of like the Bill Burr joke where he's like, 
you know, just start sinking cruise ships. Like we don't need these people. They can like, if you're taking a cruise, it's a, we don't need those people on our planet. We can eliminate a bunch of them at one time. Yeah. It just, it, it, it makes sense from that perspective. So I think in my, my opinion, that's, yeah, I, I, a pretty good bad guy. I agree. It's like his what separates him from like the stereotypical villain in a superhero movie is that his drive isn't just to be as evil as possible. His his goal isn't to destroy the universe. You know, that's you can't get behind that. There's no way you can identify with that because if the universe doesn't exist, then you can't exist. And so why would you ever root for that? Like, so or like um, destroy like or like rule the universe, right? Like be in charge of everything. Like why would you want that really? Right. What I found kind of powerful was when he's first pursuing the time stone so he first sees dr strange they have a conversation where he shows him what titan used to look like and he talks about what inspired this particular motive and dr strange you know he's saying there's too many people and we need to thin kind of thin the herd and dr strange is like through genocide and he goes but but like objective and and emotionless and no one's being targeted and so you can tell and i think this is what makes most villains interesting that he doesn't just believe in what he thinks but he's managed to like put it into a moral framework that works just it's like on the fringe of what we are willing to believe is okay so it's obvious that he's killing trillions of people but he forces you to think well if it's random i mean it's still not good but it's better he's not targeting anybody and so i think that was kind of a complicated and powerful way to sell his message and it worked for me also, just to like piggyback on this, throughout the movie, you see like Thanos suffer for his cause. Mm. Like he loses his like children, which are you know I guess Easter egg, the Black Order. That's what they're actually called. And then um, you know the Ebony Maw's dead, who's like his most trusted ally. And then you see him literally sacrifice Gamora, the only person that I guess for this movie's like narrative is the only person he's like actually like loved or care about. And totally sacrifices her for the Soul Stone. You just see him suffer for like his goal and his mission, and his drive to do it is uh, all encompassing. And then he just does it. He still accomplishes yeah, his goal. That's the thing. And, like, like the whole theme of this movie is sacrifice, right? All he throughout the movie, everyone is put up with this choice: kill, like have this person die, or you know, give up the Soul Stone, or give up the the Infinity Stone. And none of the heroes are willing to do it. There's only a couple that come close. But, but Thanos doesn't hesitate. He kills the thing that he wants the most and then he gets what he achieves. Or he, he gets what he wants. He achieves his goal. Nobody else achieves their goal. They all fail because they're not willing to make the sacrifice that he is. It's the, wow. the strongest um, acts require the strongest wills. Mm-hmm. And Thanos really does prove like, he, you know, when you want to do it, you just set your mind to it and you just do it. And you do it. I think, it, I think it's cool Joey, that, that, that really, that do really it. just hit me. That, that like gave me an epiphany because, yeah, there's, there's several scenes where that happens. In the opening scene where um, Loki could have killed uh, Thor. Yeah. And then um, I, f- I forget. I mean, but yeah, there's, there's like a, several yeah, scenes where it's like, let this the person whole, like, die or Wanda not. and Vision storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like Wanda at the very end, right? She has to make the sacrifice to kill Vision. Uh-huh. And, and she, she does, dies. but for all for naught. Chris Pratt's character, um, Star Lord, <laughs> does eventually pull the trigger to try to kill Gamora, but of course that doesn't work out either. Mm-hmm. Which that's a great yep. scene. Like, um, very well what's done. his name? Uh, Doctor Strange could have let um, uh, Iron Man die, Tony yeah, Stark, Tony Stark die. die, but he didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this movie is also like a commentary on utilitarianism, because Thanos' whole idea is that he is he's saying, "Oh, we should kill half the universe. That would save the rest of the universe." 
this is in direct, direct contrast to uh, Captain America's whole philosophy, which is every life matters. And so killing people isn't a solution ever. That's what mm. he says. Don't trade lives. And he's a absolutist about this. It's like yes. a big reason why it's hard to get along with him because he sticks to his like mode of thinking no matter what. Hmm. Yeah, Captain America, you know, firmly, you know, puts his boots on the ground, which um, I think is just great because he still sticks to it in this movie, even though like his like uniform is all damaged up and like you can see that he has sacrificed for his own beliefs, which, you know, again, it just implies that, you know, there is a big uh, sacrifice, you know, for your for your theme, you know, sacrifice for your beliefs theme. Yeah, but he loses anyway, you know. (laughs) Oh, no, he still loses. But like. He sticks to his guns and, you know, I guess mad props. I just uh, throw out there that one of my pros for this movie was that there was very little Captain America because he's the worst <laughs> hero. Yeah, I agree with that, too. And I yeah. watched uh, Civil War and he okay. was clearly on the wrong side of that argument. And who the heck is Bucky? I don't want Bucky to be successful. And so I was very in favor of minimal Captain America, and I am hoping for less Captain America in Endgame. But I know he's supposed to come back in force, so. Yeah. He is one of the ones who's still alive. Yeah. I got some, like, bad news. <laughs> Endgame is going to have a lot of Captain uh, America. Okay, uh, Gabe, do you have anything to, uh, any pros to add? I didn't really have too many things I wanted to add in, in terms of pros, but I maybe more for the cinematography, maybe not necessarily just the storyline, but I thought having the groups of characters together um, obviously plays into uh, the story dialogue and being able to have, uh, I, I think one of the best parts was when uh, Star-Lord meets up with Iron Man and finally we have the crossover um, from the, I guess, part of the original cast of the Avengers and having them. Yeah, the... The Cosmic Avengers okay. is what they become. Of course they have a name. The Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> well, okay. So, like, in this movie, there are five unique storylines. There are... Really? Five? I got them written down here. Yeah, there's five. But then they, like, they kind of merge a little bit. And I'll, I'll explain in just a second here. So, there's the Guardians of the Galaxy, which we all know. Uh, there's Tony Stark and the crew, which is, you know, Tony Stark, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, uh, etc. Then there's Thor's Quest which is pretty much just Thor, and then it kind of, like, splits off with Rocket and uh, Atri and so forth. Uh, there's Captain America and the Secret Avengers, and then there's Thanos' journey, which is just, you know, Thanos' whole thing. And then, eventually, they all get woven together into, like, two-and-a-half storylines, which really is just one, because it all just melds into Thanos' journey. But it becomes the Cosmic Avengers, and then the Secret Avengers, and, you know... I guess it's all like wrapped in Thanos' journey, like storyline. Yeah, but Gabriel, I think you bring up a really good point because this movie has a huge uh, problem it has to solve, which is how do we properly represent so many different characters? And I think by breaking them up into these little clusters, they give everybody kind of an opportunity to you know get a word in edgewise. Right, there's a lot of intimacy too. You know, having that... Uh, Agreed. Being as close as they were and uh, different friendships are formed. Um, you know, we, Captain America, I'm mean, not Captain America, but uh, Iron Man always has to has to be abrasive with new people coming into the group. Like, oh, everyone knows here that I'm the leader or like everyone you know, knows I'm the funny guy. So, well, yeah, I, I love the rivalry between magic and science. I think that's a that's already just yes. a good rivalry to have. But to have Doctor Strange represent magic and have 
Tony Stark represents science, like the titans of their industries going head to head is pretty great. I was going to say that one of my like favorite scenes in this movie, as far as like characters who don't really get to like interact with each other at all, is Thor and just Rocket Raccoon. And they have like this whole discussion about just how much like Thor's lost. And you could see like Thor's literally like crying and losing it. And just to put some context to this scene, um, like Thor Ragnarok, that whole movie takes place like seconds, if not like a day or two before Infinity War. So he goes through like all this crap and it's totally for nothing because half of Asgard dies anyway. And uh, it's all Loki's fault. He should have left that thing on Asgard. Yeah, he should have, but you know, Loki still dies, and Thor still loses. Loki, Loki. (laughs) you really are the worst, brother. (laughs) Dylan, do you have any uh, pros to bring up? Um, Yeah, I mean, I really kind of agree with the point you guys are making about the way they split everything up. I also think it's just like it's unbelievably impressive that the movie doesn't feel like it's seven hours long because of that. Um, I mean, like, I I mean, like talking about like Thor getting to have that moment, the fact that Thor has that moment, but then five minutes later, we flash to some scene of, you know, like the Guardians of the Galaxy, like mouthing off against people or whatever. Like, it's pretty insane to me that they were able to pull this off in a way that feels like fresh and they're bringing in all these different characters and everybody gets their moment. Um, and also the movie is like 90% exposition. Like it's just like building the team and like people meeting each other. And then you just have the big battles at the end. So, um, it really is. It's like, I think it's kind of gone underrated now how much of an insane accomplishment this movie is whether it's your favorite marvel movie or not it def like the level of difficulty in it is easily the highest of any of them yeah but they put in the work beforehand you know like they they built up all these characters from previous movies so they, yeah they, they draw from that and it works really well i mean this is there are like 21 movies yeah. to like watch if you want to understand do you everything. guys feel like you have to watch those movies to enjoy this one this movie though I think you well, might think at you did. least not to enjoy it. <laughs> no, I. I mean, I feel. I feel like if you're a Marvel fan, you should just watch all of them. But so, okay. I mean, so did, did I anybody else like not really watch these movies? Corey, go, Corey, go <laughs> ahead. Wait, yeah, Corey. no, I'm. I'm still here. I haven't said anything. But this. This is a. Uh, so I. I actually was thinking about this recently. I don't think I've seen a Marvel's movie in theaters other than the Avengers and Captain America Civil War, which has all the Avengers. I've never been someone who's a huge superhero fan. Um, so I, that's never been like the thing where I like I have to see every single movie the night it comes out. But I do love all the Avengers movies and I enjoyed this one thoroughly, even though I didn't maybe understand all of like the the little points that come up just because I don't have uh, a great perspective with everyone coming in individually. But together, I do really enjoy them. And I I do think that there are other people who can just kind of come into this and say, oh, this movie is like 94 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It must be a good movie and uh, enjoy like the action and the storylines, even if they don't fully know everyone's background. I agree. I I think they do a good job of briefly reiterating what the stakes are uh, in, able, in order to at least have you be able to get on board. Like they explain the Infinity Stones all the way through two different times. So if you've never seen any of the other movies, you at least can understand that these stones are very important, what their names are and where they are. And that is enough, I think, to get you started on this epic journey. And then you can just look at cool things. And I also that. think they did a good job um, kind of sandbagging the individual heroes so nobody seemed particularly powerful in context with everybody else. Like when you think of uh, Star-Lord, for instance, compared to Doctor Strange and Iron Man, he 
I know that in their most recent movie, he turned out to be part God or something, but he he doesn't necessarily have any powers that should put him in the same playing field as Thanos, but they did a good job without making Thanos not the most powerful character or doing anything like that. They did a good job of kind of bringing everybody down to the same level. So you can come into this movie without a huge amount of background and still feel like you've got a sense of everyone's individual abilities, but no one person is like irrelevant to the story. The one way they do that is they mix their powers as well. That's some of my favorite action is when we got to see you know, Spider-Man teleporting or Star-Lord like skipping across like those shield things in midair on his way to putting a bomb on Thanos' back. Like those, you know, that's the whole point of crossovers, right? So our favorite heroes can team up. And I think they did a good job of combining them like that. That's one of my pros is actually like how amazing some of the scenes are. Like back to what Dylan was saying about the cinematography is just being great. Because it's like this, it's this, it's this world that is very unrealistic that has a lot of realism and on top of that you have like very quality action sequences like one like random one that just that sticks out is when they're at the battle of wakanda and um and the winter soldier uh is like holding rocket in one arm who's like blasting dudes to death and then uh he's holding his like humongous gun on the other side and they're literally just spinning in a circle shooting things and like like laughing maniacally about it it's just stuff it's so cool like to see stuff and it's great when an action movie which is usually based on like just the action itself but also have quality story that like makes it believable i mean this is top tier action you're not going to get better than this yeah you really won't find like much better action than like this movie i mean just like the thor like Returning to Wakanda, returning to Earth, and like, uh, bring me Thanos <laughs> scene is probably like one of the best just on screen moments I've probably seen in the Marvel universe. Mm. Also, we get to see Thor at like what he's always should have been finally. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to throw in there too, just really quick, that the Rocky and Bucky scene when they're spinning around, that's a classic you know, action movie, yeah, back-to-back shoot your guns, you know, like, when, when do you ever yeah. get a situation when you're spinning around shooting things? You're never in a, a safe situation when you're, you know, you can turn around and shoot, too, you know? You're obviously not at the gun range. How so much for the that, gun? I think that was pretty good that he included that, and then, you know, uh, Rocket was like, I'm getting that wrong on that arm, you know? Like, he's, his, his fascination oh, with our body parts. Yes, yeah, one of my yeah, favorite was, scenes, uh, yeah. quotes, I, like was when he's like, "Oh, I'll get that arm." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ro- Rocket is actually he got a pretty good spotlight in this one, I think. Yeah, he did. He got a good spotlight just with Thor, and then him just kind of like realizing that like he does have a lot to lose, and then uh, not to like break everybody's heart, he totally loses everything. He's the only guardian of the galaxy that looks like that's alive right. besides Nebula at the end. Right. Ow, my heart. Thanks for breaking that to me. Yeah, Well, taking another like <laughs> unrealistic <laughs> character, like uh, literally a talking <laughs> raccoon that like shoots things uh, and giving it realism. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a, another thing that I really liked was their ability to mix the characters without the, making the characters act like someone else. Like the guardian, you could tell... Like the Guardians of the Galaxy were much funnier, I feel like, than the other characters because their movies are much funnier. They're constantly, you know, jabbing at each other and making jokes together, and and th- we didn't lose that just because they're mixing with Iron Man and Doctor Strange. Like they're still themselves, even though they're in this overarching larger like project together. And I think it helps that um, just like behind the scenes, James Gunn, who also like directed, uh, you know 
produced the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movies, was the, like, official consultant for any Guardians of the Galaxy scenes. Just keeping, like, all of the continuity in, like, in order, you know? And it, it just shows. It really, really helps in this movie. And I think it's important that, like, this Marvel Cinematic Universe has probably the best continuity of all time. And I dare anyone to, like, prove me wrong. <laughs> Who wants to go up? Come Issuing on. another <laughs> challenge. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> prove it. Prove me wrong. Okay. Put it in the Star challenge. Wars? Uh, do we, um... <laughs> All right, we're ready to move on to our cons. Do we have any other pros? Any last-minute pros? Dude, we could go on forever with pros. There's so much good. You're right. You're right. Which is why we won't. We'll just move on to our cons and what we didn't like about this movie. Does anybody want to go first? I'll go first. Anthony will go first. Anthony, go ahead. The the first thing that stood out to me, like, because obviously just typing as I'm watching the movie, but I was so confused that like, so when you first see the spaceship in New York. It's like ripping the place to shreds and Doctor Strange has to like magic cast the dust away so they can like finally see their enemies. But then in Scotland with Vision and, and Wanda, there's like th- no one says anything like the, they just kind of appear out of nowhere. They, this ship does not destroy the city. It's literally just hovering in the sky. Like you don't think people would have been screaming that there's like is no one out in Scotland right now. Like these are the only two people here. <laughs> Dude, it was nighttime, man. Everyone was sleeping. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, everyone, so it was like 4 o'clock in the morning, and like, you know, Vision and Wanda are on that, like, post-bang... Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, uh, I didn't realize, about. like, a, a robosexual relationship stops science from happening from this spaceship coming <laughs> oh, down to me, Earth. Excuse me, are you, like, totally shitting on a robosexual relationship right now? Literally, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, you're right. It was, it was a little weird to see, like... Uh, at least, like, no one reacting to the giant ship. I think, like, them popping out of nowhere was pretty cool, and that's, like, what we needed in the, you know, break from the soft moment. But, um, but yeah, no, them, like, not reacting to the ship, that was Well, a I weird. wonder, I, I mean, this Earth has been in the MCU for so long. Like, I wonder if at this point, like, the cops, like, they see some superheroes fighting, they're like, why would we even try to stop that? <laughs> like, just keep driving. It's just like it's that, just like, Dan, uh, Stan Lee it's says, like that right? Stan Lee cameo, like, Oh, you haven't seen an alien spaceship before? It was just exactly, it yeah. Now. So maybe yeah. that was the deal. Everyone is like, oh, it's just the superheroes. You know, leave them alone. They'll get tired. You know, they'll... <laughs> well, I also want to point out, too, that, that it is in Scotland and in the UK, police are unarmed. So, like, the police have batons, <laughs> like, at best. Like, they'll have anything like, this to... isn't my fight. <laughs> <Why> you? <laughs> I also... But, Anthony, I think we're discounting the effect that uh, skyscrapers have on wind. So, like, mm. they were, like, pulling a ship down in between skyscrapers in downtown New York, you're going to have a lot more wind tunnel effect. That's fair. It's a civil's mm, input real quick. New York yeah, is a yeah. dirty, dirty place also. Scotland, very clean. Yeah, probably not a lot of debris in Scotland to pick up with wind. That's right. You know, tied down. Debris. <laughs> <laughs> not right. All right, all right, let's go. Who's got, who else has got a con? Well, I thought um, in the same context, I found that, the, and maybe you guys tell me that I, I've missed something, but the children of Thanos, like these surprise uh villains that like managed to pursue stones instead of thanos um i had no idea who they were and they were incredibly strong all of them were incredible like they made all of our heroes look kind of foolish um ebony maw is that his name the guy who can like hover and has telekinetic powers and is like perfectly powerful and then when he's in new york he's like pulling up pavement and sidewalk and then creating these like chains that he's shooting at people across the road and stuff I had no sense of where that came from, just that he was clearly, like, he himself could have done 
to our Avengers, everything Thanos does. He was stronger than every single Avenger in New York. And I just felt almost like that kind of broke the story for a second until he like dies in space. And the kids saw more movies. Yeah, you should have uh, uh, did uh, Princess Leia and like flew back <laughs> in. <using the> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He is Breathe so much air. more qualified than Leia to fly back in this way. Yeah, that is uh, weird that he that, that he died by being in space, but not yeah. by the attacks. I wonder. Of I wonder how many <laughs> all the Avengers. I wonder how many like villains and heroes are weak to space. You know, like yeah. the Guardians spent a lot of time <laughs> out there, space. but they. <laughs> I mean, I can answer this question. But... Like, well, so, but like for instance, I mean, do you want me to just like flex and well, explain well, here for a well, minute? Or... Thor, I don't think we need that. Thor is the only one who actually like survived in space in this movie. Like he like blew up well, on the so, ship. Well, yeah, in this movie, that's right. Yeah. Um, I I have a question. Well, I, I guess I don't know if it's a con. So I didn't see Black Panther. Um, but where is Michael B. Jordan? Oh, oh God. you should see Black Panther. Yeah, you should probably check that out. <laughs> yeah, you should see Black Panther. Mistake number one. Like, excuse me, mistake number like one. Why are you still in this podcast? Go watch Black Panther. Dude, I have some bad yeah, on news. Netflix. Oh, God. <laughs> it would have been recommended to you when you finished Infinity War. Yeah. Yeah, it would have. Would have been recommended like before you saw Infinity War. Because like, you exist. Yeah, if you want, you might like. You'll probably like, like this. Why? If you want to see, yeah, any Michael Basketball Jordan in the MCU, you're gonna have to go back and watch Black Panther. He's unfortunately not in this one. Um, which okay, but we'll count that as a con. Not enough Michael B. Jordan. I agree. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I All right, guess. who's next? Who else has got a con? Um, I I have one. Just going off the villains thing too. Um, I, so I had less of a problem with the children of Thanos themselves, at least because they were sort of actually developed characters that I could understand, and I thought the CGI was decent on them. But something that I found kind of problematic is like at the very end when we finally get to see Thanos's like fearsome army, like this big kind of behemoth that he's going to be able to use to accomplish his goals if he needs to. When they land in Wakanda, it's just a bunch of like CGI dogs. Like I, I think that no, and and I don't care if they're dog like nothing against well, dogs i just mean that like <laughs> i just yeah, back off dog i just man. mean that like a, a mistake that i feel like a lot of superhero movies have made in the past like one that really comes to mind is um like the justice league movie is that um like just having these sort of like faceless completely computer generated villains that we have no relationship to whatsoever and for the marvel universe that is not really steered towards that especially in this movie where all the other villains are very well developed we talked about how great thanos is for his army to just be kind of like a nothing it felt kind of empty to me. Mm. But wasn't yeah, that the thing right about that? It's just I like see your blood point. to spill, right? Isn't yes. that the whole point yeah. is that they're supposed yeah. to be just nothing and yeah. expendable. Whoa, a set piece battle? Yeah, I'm a kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, it I really mean, is. Like, I mean, pretty just much. like the fighters in Oklahoma, right? Yeah, it's like it's something that everyone can fight at the same time, you know? So it's like, check the boxes for all the other heroes. It's like, okay, Bucky needs a group to shoot into. The raccoon needs to be able to shoot into people. We need a flying man to drop bombs on them, you know? Like, it's yeah. it's just an opportunity so we can display all the other heroes, which is the cool. Dynasty Warriors kind of look. You yeah, know, like where it's just, just button mashing. Right. Just blowing up yeah. hordes of endless uh opposition. Uh but how cool are those like saw things that came from underground? Those were dope. Those were dope. Like went right underneath the shield. Wait. That was pretty cool. Oh, and then like when Scarlet Witch like totally shows up and like levitates them all and like totally sh- destroys the army around her. And uh Oyoka's like, why was she like hidden up there this whole time? That's actually a really good point. Like, why was she? she's like the most powerful one? Why is she up there? 
I mean, I mean, she's taking care of Vision. The whole thing is to not get I, Thanos to the stone, right? So you want your like your best defense at yeah. the very end. It was just, yeah, so she, 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 she abandons her. She abandons that as soon as she leaves Vision. Yeah, because they, like uh, one of the one of the children of Thanos is like she's down. Go Corvus Glaive yeah, sends sends him up to attack yeah, yeah. him. So that's almost like they were being held off, knowing she was up there. And the moment she came down to save people, which is another example, uh, like you were saying, Joey, of of a hero being unwilling in this case to allow their teammates to die and so yeah. they mm. lose so and can we also on that really quickly too can we also give some props to black panther though because he's the only one who doesn't do that like they're they're like we don't trade lives for we're not going to kill vision but we're willing to sacrifice the entire army of this entire nation of wakanda <laughs> to protect they literally they line up thousands of troops to protect this one dude <laughs> I, I'm just like I don't know. I'm ups, big ups yeah. to Black Panther. Like, well, especially because true. you know they have the technology to like escape. Probably, you know, they're they're the Wakandans. They could go to another planet, probably all of them, if they wanted to. But instead, they're willing to pull a Gungans from Episode One and serve as like the, the <laughs> melee fight only. Right? It's like open the doors. Now we're gonna fight with our spears instead yeah. of like shooting steady, them. Steady, steady. <laughs> <laughs> that was I was I was kind of expecting oh, that too. Man. I was kind of expecting. Like, a battle droid to kind of walk through and figure it out that he can get through the shield, but it ended up killing all the crawly guys. You know, this actually, guys. yeah, there's a lot of parallels to Star yeah. Wars Episode One in this scene. There's in this scene at least there's a lot of parallels, just because like I think the mechanics of the fight are very similar until they like pop open the shield and then like you know people start like you know pouring in. I definitely got to the when they open the shield. Um, Every time that happens, and every time I've seen the movie, I'm like, there are other ways you can handle this. That's what I was going to say, The whole point of the shield is that it's, it's incredibly strong. It's like cutting their arms off, but when they overload it in any one point, it breaks. So when they start spreading out, that's a good thing. You want them to spread out around the shield. That means they are not understanding what they're supposed to be doing, and no one's giving them instruction. And then Black Panther's like, first of all, we're going to start two miles away, and we're going to start <laughs> running. And then when we're a mile out, we're going to open the fence. And then they're just going to pour out into our city, and then we're going to attack them somewhat randomly. We're not going to dis- we're not gonna take any of the ships from the Black Panther movie, all of their planes and high tech. None of that's going to come into play, because why use fancy weapons? Uh, why aren't we out flying around the outside of the shield, dropping bombs on these aliens that are just standing at a wall? Anyway, I felt these like- are cape shields. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a, yeah, there's a tactical decision that they could have made that would- definitely been better than open the shield yeah just and and then just run at it with like a a tenth of the forces i don't know i felt like they just gave up on their tech when it looked like things might not work out um also just on the thread of like you know things that don't entirely make sense um i would like to bring up the cosmic avengers versus thanos fight just for the sole fact that by this film's own logic they should have won and beat thanos that's okay remind us who the cosmic avengers are that would be when Titan, on Titan, when Thanos is fighting uh, Star Lord, Drax, Mantis, Spider Man, uh, Doctor Strange, Iron Man, if I haven't said him yet, and mm-hmm. um, Nebula. There you go. Yeah, sorry. Um, I just feel like because like earlier in the movie we see Wong do that whole portal thing. We cut off uh, what's his name? What's his name? Black Dwarf's arm, and. I just feel like by this movie's logic, that could have happened when, you know, uh, Thanos was like paralyzed by Mantis and uh, I guess Mantis and company, really. 
But when he's totally paralyzed, why didn't Doctor Strange just like portal beneath him and then close it as his arm was like sticking out and cut his arm? Yeah. Out? Another yep. con that I have on like d- like Doctor Strange's magic is one of the major plot points in the film is when they're on that the donut vessel and they're going to Titan and he's like st- like Stark like can can you get us home like like you have to get us there and then he's like well let's take the fight to him instead but couldn't Doctor Strange like just portal them home like and just have this ship get there unmanned good point i don't know i think so that's also a good point well okay but yes and i i I mean dr strange is super powerful the other thing is couldn't he just like reverse time and try to figure this out again he does try to do that actually he does like go through like the different timelines and he's like there's only one that we but but hold on i want to go just real quick back to the cosmic avengers versus thanos it is a little bit cringe inducing when you see uh chris pratt walking up to thanos and and Tony Stark is in the background like, come on, Chris Pratt. Like, we've almost got this glove off. It's like, what are you guys even doing over there? What's Is there a progress bar for, like, pulling a glove off of somebody's hand? We've almost got it. Yeah, like, how can you tell that you've almost almost got got it? It's a glove. It's either on or off. Also, they assigned the only one of them who hasn't fully gone through puberty to pull the glove off. Like, it's just (laughs) Spider-Man. There's no one else. Spider-Man and then, like, Iron Man tries to quickly help him, but yeah. Okay, I think it's going to do for the cons. Is that... Uh, no, Gabe, do you have any cons? Oh, yeah, oh. I, got, I, got, I got two more, and these were... Um, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of funny you guys brought up how awesome Thanos is because I have kind of felt part of his... There was a character flaw there, and I think... Um, hmm, where do I find a soul to sacrifice? Hmm. Where would I find one? Oh, ah, oh, funny. I brought my daughter here. You know, what? no skin off my back. I didn't, I didn't really feel like he lost too much <laughs> by giving up his daughter right there. There wasn't a, he was like, what a perfect scenario. I have someone I care about and I can get rid of them here to pursue my, you know, finish my goal and, or at least check a next checkbox in my, on my to-do list. And that's for- a good question. I, I want to ask Justin if he knows anything about what Thanos knew when he was heading out for the soul stone. Did he know <laughs> that he would need a sacrifice? Because it seems like his whole life, he picked Gamora as like this daughter he would love. You know, what that kind of seems uh, like a guy who's all set in his goals like Thanos, why would he take on the, a recreational adopted daughter? You know, it doesn't really make all that much sense. So is there was there a thought process behind this, Justin? So, I mean, I'm going to try to keep this brief, but essentially um, during that like genocide of his homeworld, he loses his family if he had one. Um I know that he probably loses his brother and he probably loses his parents. And then depending on like how the continuity works in the film universe, he probably loses his family. But um, because of that, if that's true, then he like adopts a daughter and then trains her and like raises her up to be like his successor. That's why she's like the most deadly universe. She's the most deadly woman in the universe. And that's why you know, he's like, oh, hey, like, I taught you, like, all this stuff. Like, you being generous, that's me. You being, like, strong, also me. But I didn't teach you how to lie. That's why you're so bad at it. And I don't know, like, it, it could, like, to Gabe's point, like, it could be like, oh, hey, daughter, we're going on a field trip. You know, like, we're going to Home Depot today. Like, you're coming with me, whether you want to or not. And so now we're going to, you know, seek out the Soul Stone and see what happens. And then it's like, just happens that she's with him. I mean, there's a couple things like that. Like, when, uh, uh, when they're talking to the dwarf on the star and uh, Thor is talking to him and they like and they're just like, hey, 
uh, we can all hear each other, even though like we're all in space and one guy's in a spaceship and one guy's like inside the thing. <laughs> Somehow they have like radios and stuff. It just makes it easier than having to go back and forth and showing them going inside and it's like, oh, how do we solve this? Oh, this is how we do it. And then they go back out there. Like, right. Because the alternative to having Gamora already be there and having that scene where you realize that Thanos does love her and that she's a worthy sacrifice, because the alternative would him be like, oh, I have to sacrifice someone I love. I'll be right back, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have just the two. Which just adds more, like, runtime. But also, um, I don't know, we do get, like, some, like, backstory where, like, Thanos, like, takes her in after he totally, like, massacres, you know, her whole world. And then, you know, there's this whole story, about, you know, like, the whole scene where, like, she's like, oh, you've told me this for 20 years, and, like, I wanted you to, like, sit in my chair. And, um, there's just enough in this movie where you can see that, like, Thanos does care about her, and then... When he totally like yeets her off the cliff, um, <laughs> you know, and he like he suffers for it. He's just like, hey, like I actually put like twenty years of my time and effort into like caring for you and training you, and now like I totally have to kill you for the soul stone. Like, sorry. <laughs> this this brings me to to my con, which is that Thanos is the classic evil villain thing where he just lets heroes live when he could have easily killed them. Ooh, okay, and I, I anticipated somebody bringing this up, and I think I have an answer to it. Okay. Because Thanos isn't actually out here to kill heroes. He's, his in, he has no incentive to just destroy the Avengers, because the Avengers are kind of, they're peanuts to him. He's so powerful. Yeah. He's out to kill half of everyone that exists. So even though you're right, he definitely, when he turned um, uh, big, strong... Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy man, Drax. what's his name again? Drax. Drax. <laughs> when he turned Drax <laughs> into like blocks or whatever, mm-hmm. and he turned the the bug woman into like streamers, Mantis. Mantis into streamers, he could have just killed them, right? That yeah. would be just as easy. So I, I I see where you're coming from from there, but at the same time, his incentive isn't to go out killing heroes because for him they're more or less not a problem. But no, but, but they are necessary. a problem. They almost he almost didn't achieve his goal because of them. They are I, like, I, they, they're a big obstacle for him. So I think, but and he could have easily eliminated Thor um, right in the beginning. He could have uh, yeah eliminated all of the Guardians of the Galaxy in that scene where they where they fought him. I mean, there's. I can't think of other scenes specifically, but I remember as I was watching the movie, almost every fight, he could have just killed them off pretty easily, but half the time yeah. just left because I actually he didn't think, feel like it. Because I think that's what makes... That's like oh, his, oh, oh, let's uh, get Anthony. Let's get Anthony in here. I, I think that's what makes Thanos like such a good villain is I don't think he actually likes to kill people. He doesn't like to hurt people. He just knows that this is the best objective way of thinking way for us to like survive in this universe like what i'm doing they'll they'll like i will mercilessly kill like or sh- i will show mercy um by just snapping my fingers and you'll just cease to exist you, you, like it won't be painful like i'm trying to make this easy for everyone it'll be random and but like when he has opportunities to kill people he's like i don't want to do that it, unless you're going to stand in my way i'll fight you but i don't want to kill you i want it to be random and, like, also, just to, like, put some, you know, further, uh, just to piggyback off of that, Thanos, like, respects the heroes. He, like, could have told, he, like, he stabs through Tony Stark and is like, you know, I hope they remember you. You know what I mean? Like, when I'm done, half of humanity will still be alive. Yeah, but, like, that's just indicative you know I mean? of his hubris, which is eventually how they're going to end up defeating him, right? He's just so, he, th- he thinks he's so much better than everybody that he can just, you know, say, hey, I don't need to kill these guys. Like, I'll, I'll be fine. Yes, and I actually, I'm glad you brought that line because I think that's so awesome. Like, you're just a human and this, like, godlike alien is like, you know what? I respect you, which is 
high praise coming from the god of everything now, Thanos. Yeah. But it shows how convicted he is towards his goal because he does that. He says, he says, Tony Stark, you know, I respect you. Uh, I hope that they remember you. But what he says in that statement is like, when I'm done, half of Earth will be alive. Half of human and he will be alive, which is what he promised already. He does not like, <laughs> he doesn't say, Tony Stark, you've earned my respect. And so I, for, you know, I forgive the sins of Earth or something. He's just like, I respect you. You get exactly what everyone else gets. But nice. know that I respect you. And that's kind of, I think that's why he's not killing people. We've talked about it a little bit, but I think he doesn't see anybody as a, at fault for trying to defend their people. He just knows that he's right. And he's so sure he's right that he's going to keep dismissing people who try to challenge him, but he's not saying, fine, you're done because you've committed some sort of crime. The only person he kills that way is Loki because Loki betrayed him when, and, and failed him in a significant way and then tried to stab him again. And he was like, okay, I'm done. Now you've specifically harmed me. Whereas everybody else, they're just trying to protect their people and he gets it. But he's not going to let him get in his way. So Also, just to like point out, when like Thanos is choking out Loki, um, Loki makes the like, you will never be a god. And then like Thanos just kind of like knowingly smirks and is like, you think so, huh? And then just totally like crushes his throat in and is like, no more resurrections this time. Mm. And like just totally discards Loki as just, you know, uh, I mean, trash. Well, but- that's one thing that makes that ki- like that death scene so cool is because like loki's like you'll never be a god thanos literally just he literally killed a god with his one hand like just strangling him so he's like even more powerful than that it's not a like um un i guess like unstrained i guess it's not like a strange thing to say that thanos is almost like a like uh tyrannical religious or maybe tyrannical is not the right word but he's almost like a religious like terrorist Extremist. He just believes in what he's doing so strongly that he's willing to like eco terrorist. Uh, well, I guess eco terrorist. <laughs> he is an eco terrorist. <laughs> you're right. Whatever. The point is, is that like it's not like strange to view him like that, just because not only does he like believe in his goals, but he also just carries them out. He just does. It. Okay, we're getting into dangerous territory of accidentally getting back into prose about Thanos. <laughs> so I'll do yes, one right. last call for cons. Corey, did you have anything? I want to make sure we get you a, a word in edgewise. <laughs> yeah, Corey. yeah. Um, I guess so. The the one thing I do want to mention, I I don't know if this is necessarily an Avengers Infinity War con, but the first time I saw it was in IMAX 3D. And I've never been a huge 3D fan, but I thought this movie of all movies had to be phenomenal in 3D. And I thought it was like, it was pretty good, but I enjoyed it better in 2D. I don't know if anyone else has seen this in 3D or has opinions on 3D. Um, If that should really be a con against this movie or just uh, 3D is just really not that cool. 3D just sucks. (laughs) 3D just sucks. (laughs) I think like 3D has gotten better in recent years, but I still like, unless I have to see it in 3D, I don't like go out of my way to see it. Especially no, sitting for a 3D it. movie for so long. Like, my eyes always hurt. That's why I don't watch 3D movies. My eyes always hurt afterwards. Okay. And Let's then, move on to... I have uh, one last oh, one that can transition <laughs> into, um, like, predictions, if we want. No, we're not. Yeah. We're, we don't want to do <laughs> no. predictions oh, okay. yet, but do one last con. Okay, that's fine. Uh, well, I was going to say, like, Wong totally dipping out. If, like, the future time stone theory isn't true, Wong totally dipping out is ridiculous. Why didn't he stick around? Well, no. He could have done so much no, work. It's, yeah, the, um, the time stone has been removed. This the sanctum remains unguarded. unguarded. 
Yeah, we did. We just talked okay. about a guy and like his like religious beliefs or whatever to like do something, like his will to do something. That's like Wong's will is like I have to protect the sanctum now that yeah. the time stone is gone. I have to get. Well, a there's other yeah, things exactly there, right? <laughs> like expensive pottery and books. Yeah, expensive pottery uh, yeah. and books. And, all right, fair enough. But. Um, All right, we're, we're yeah. moving on to our uh, favorite character section. Yes, and we're, so we're going to go one by one with our guests, and you're going to tell us who your favorite character is and why. So we'll get it started with Dylan. Dylan, who is your favorite character? Okay, so it's a good thing that we're talking about the tuna melts and the sanctum, uh, because my favorite character <laughs> in this movie is Doctor Strange, um, mostly because I think that he does the most for my... Th- kind of his standing in among the Avengers in this movie. Um, Doctor Strange, the actual Doctor Strange movie is like a pretty pedestrian standard, maybe subpar Marvel movie. Um, and I think in this one, you see Doctor Strange totally hold his own, both in terms of like combat. Like there's one point where he's literally sword fighting Thanos with like a time sword. Um, but also in terms of uh, Benedict Cumberbatch being one of the most charming members of the Avengers, um, of the cosmic Avengers, I guess. Like he, he absolutely quips it up with Tony Stark. He's going back and forth with like sarcasm. And I think he's definitely one of the most kind of attractive, charming people in this movie coming from just uh, the basis of one movie that probably a lot of people, if they haven't seen all the Marvel movies, didn't see. And probably people didn't care about him that much until this one. And I think he kind of becomes like a star of this movie. Yeah, he when I first heard about the Doctor Strange movie, I was like, Doctor Strange. Like, first off, you guys definitely ran out of superhero That's names. Strange. Doctor Strange. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. But oh, um, but he is. He's super powerful. He's, like, one of these top, like, power-level uh, superheroes, and he definitely does hold his own. So I, 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 I agree with uh, everything you've said here. Moving on to our next, let's go with, how about Scott? You want to tell us who your favorite character was, Scott? Yeah. Um, my favorite character in this movie was Iron Man, and he ends up being my favorite character in all Marvel movies he's in. Um, I think he's, he's incredibly well-written, and he's witty, and he's dry. Um, and I like that in a very short amount of time in this movie, you got to see like a realization of one of his worst fears. And it, because after the first Avengers movie, he identifies this, this concept of like New York being attacked by a force they can't stop as the worst possible event. And he has nightmares about it, and it, it's terrified his life for it. Um, it's the reason that we had the other Avengers movies. Um, and it's, it's the, also the reason he has this bleeding edge armor, the nanoparticle armor, and he's talking to uh, his, his yeah, pepper, pepper pots about it. Um, and then you see that he is willing, and maybe he's the only hero so far, in the context of what Joey was saying, who was willing to give something up i mean he's standing in a park with pepper Potts, saying you know she's saying take that you know take away that suit give up your life like this because if you don't give up your life like this you don't care enough about us and um and then he's brought into a battle and he's forced to leave earth and he's having a conversation with her about how he's this is that realization of all of his worst fears he's going to do everything he can to stop it when the call disconnects and he's on the donut ship and the call disconnects with Pepper Potts. That is like an incredibly emotional moment for me, and it breaks my heart. Um, and then, kind of like what Dylan was saying, when he interacts with Doctor Strange, they quip well, they they banter well, two incredibly intelligent people. Um, and I didn't think that in this movie, Iron Man really ever seemed like he was in control of what was going on. Um, and that is seen when uh, Spider Man starts gets dusted, and you have that kind of improv scene. They say when Spider-Man is, he's like crying and he's like, don't let this happen to me, sir. Don't let this happen to me, Mr. Stark. And 
he I think he just does a very good job of being incredibly emotionally available. And so even maybe more than any other Marvel movie, I thought Iron Man was the best character in this movie. Yeah, I completely agree with him. I I think he I think he stands out all the time. Um, Robert Downey Jr. just kind of carries this franchise from the very beginning, and like his, he always like goes the extra mile to sacrifice for the other other people. You see this all the time. The first Avengers movie, right? He goes into the to the wormhole with the with the nuke. Um, you know, he's he's constantly putting himself in danger to for the betterment of others, um, and that's not enough in this one. It's pretty amazing. I think one of the my like favorite things about just Iron Man, especially just coming into this movie, is the dichotomy between Thanos and Iron Man is just superb. It's one of the best parts about this movie. And when I say that, I mean that um, it's kind of like an Easter egg. But um, Than- like you could describe Tony Stark as the Thanos before like the tragedy happened, because Thanos like predicts that this like great you know tragedy will occur on his planet, and Tony Stark feels like the same way. And that's mm. why just like when Thanos mentions like you're not the only one cursed with knowledge, it's just so intimate. It's because they just know like they just know each other on a level that goes beyond just like oh you're Thanos and like you're Tony. It's just like you get it. You understand Are, that like this tragedy will happen. Justin is is uh, Tony Stark your favorite character too? Um, he is, but in this like this recent watch round that I watched for this podcast, I'm gonna say my favorite character was Thor. Okay, um, tell us why. So I just think that like in the, like just in the context of this movie, like I said earlier, Ragnarok takes place like seconds, if not maybe like days before Infinity War. So we yeah. just had this guy, you know, lose his father, um, lose his home, uh, totally like, you know, reconnects with his brother and, you know, for essentially like loses his eye, like he loses his hammer. He just loses everything like that makes him like thor in this movie and we like open up this movie with thor's like ship getting attacked half of his people die which you know fyi there's not a whole lot to begin with so half of them like escape on like an escape ship and then the other half totally die and then his best friend gets stabbed right before his eyes which totally like sets off his whole like revenge quest and then his brother who like not only did he just reconnect with and then even like loki's like the sun will shine on us again brother i promise totally gets choked out in front of him he like totally grieves like hardcore and like doesn't even care that like he's about to die in a ship explosion you you guys ever heard the term like ugly cry like when you cry so hard and it's like it's really gross like loki was ugly dead like he got choked <laughs> out and he looked horrible. Like it wasn't even yeah, a graceful yeah. death or like an epic death. It just was it was just hard to look at. No more resurrections this time. But no, I just like how like because he's just lost everything. His whole character shifts from just like being this like god protector of like the universe and doing what's right to I'm going to kill Thanos and nothing is going to stop me. Only to like um have his like vein and his pride like stop him you know short because he didn't go for the head uh which because i just have to yeah say with thanos it, but... thanos was uh, blasting off his head he at the very beginning thanos was threatening uh yep. thor's head which should have, should have taken a lesson from thanos and like i said earlier one of my favorite scenes is like the whole rocket and uh you know thor conversation where thor's like you know fate wills like fate i'm mean, like oh, i'll just go to my quote later but um, yeah, there's a lot of good says, moments like, between them. Yeah, right. But um, he's saying like, "Fate will keep me going." Rocket's like, "What? Well, you know, what if you're wrong?" And he's just like, "Well, what do I have left to lose?" And it's just like, 
it's just very it's a very powerful scene to me also he like holds open like a star which is like another favorite <laughs> quote but we'll get into yeah, that so later. okay we'll get into quotes okay I just think, D- i'm gonna yeah. cut you off here cooch boy uh so thor was cooch boys and now we're gonna ask anthony who what was your who was your favorite character um so unlike you guys uh my favorite character is not a superhero uh super super villain actually and it's for me it's thanos I feel like that's what uh the, well like in in all the marvel movies like leading up to this it's been an origin story right like it's built up your character to what he is now in infinity war and Th- this is thanos's origin story like it's like you see like where his ambition comes from where like that strong will comes from like you learn about his past um like you see a lot through his eyes that you don't like you didn't really get to see that too much with like other famous villains i feel like um but th- this was kuchway said this like really m- like much earlier in the beginning but this is i think this is the movie where you you we've faded out of like the darth vader age of like the, he's the greatest villain um thanos is definitely like the, the greatest villain because he so much time everyone has put into seeing these movies and this dude just took all your like all your favorite heroes or whoever and with the snap of his fingers like they ceased to exist it gives them like this crazy amount of drive and now second part to the movie um to like get like to write that wrong yeah i think that i think that's a good point like a lot of i know that if you just go on the internet and you haven't seen infinity war like thanos is just like big purple meme man but he is iconic now after this movie he is he he has that uh like a hold on like greatest like mainstream villain yeah he has uh, fortnite fame dude yeah oh dude like he's he was in fortnite and i can just have to say as like an actual fan of the comics who like reads everything and like puts his like time into doing the homework i i can't tell you how like much it means that thanos is a like household name because mm. not even like Five years ago, people would be like, oh, who the fuck is Thanos? And now, like, now everybody knows him. Why were they using right. that voice? Meme or not. I love your impression of people who don't read comic books. <laughs> no, I can't read. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, that, that I like that, though. That's why we said character, not necessarily superhero, uh, because we want to leave it open to picking anybody, uh, no matter what their ambitions are in this film. Uh, next up, we got Corey. Corey, who's your favorite character from this movie? Yeah, so my favorite Avenger has always been Iron Man. Uh, I know Scott brought this up earlier, how he was he disagreed with uh, Captain America, and you know I was watching Captain America: Civil War and rooting against Captain America for Iron Man. Uh, I think in this the context of this movie, I was a little tempted to go with Doctor Strange, but I found myself saying that part of the reason why I liked Doctor Strange was because all of his interactions were with Iron Man. Uh, I think just like looking at the the character, just bringing him down, he is inherently not a superhero in the sense that he doesn't have superpowers. He's just a human who has this this crazy suit and uh, all this advanced technology that make him just as powerful as these like godlike uh, other heroes that he interacts with. And and is really smart. Yes, yeah, he's super intelligent. He also like you know being really funny and sarcastic just kind of makes him a just a fun character. And I think being a software developer, just the whole technology side, I've always been blown away by that, and just like can't fathom how he's been able to create all the things that he has done in his life. So I think that's just the the biggest reason why I really love Iron Man, just as a, a character, as a superhero, and then within the context of the movie as well, is my favorite. 
Yeah, Corey, I'm glad I'm glad you brought up the fact that you're in the uh, technology industry because as a as a peer, as a person who's also in the technology industry, I, I do enjoy always bringing that up. And also, as a person who's in the industry, I can tell you, Iron Man's technology is very impressive. It would be very difficult to do the things that he. Yeah, does. I, I, so I, I uh, would not be able to. Program I share your like praise. That. Oh, okay. I'm glad we got this consultant. To make that <laughs> I mean, like as a fellow peer, though, aren't we getting closer to like having Iron Man technology like every day? I, I would say we're day. closer than we were in the we're past. We're closer than we were yesterday. That's <laughs> right. Uh, okay, but no, I uh, yes, I, Iron Man definitely is deserving of a lot of praise. I think he was one of, definitely one of the best. So deserving of multiple favorites from our group. Gabriel, why don't you give us your favorite character next? Okay, so I, I wanted to piggyback off of um, Justin's. Uh, for me, it, I actually took a little bit for me to decide who was my favorite character, and I think it took. Um, probably about half the movie, I was like, you know what? Hmm, because I really wanted to be a Hulk man. I was really feeling. I I like how <laughs> it was just a little different, and he didn't. I mean, his, his Hulk was there at the beginning, and then got defeated. I think we kind of. I don't know if we're ever going to touch on this um, kind of Hulk's story uh, within this movie, but um, I thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, obviously, he's probably going to play a bigger part in the uh, in Endgame, but. Uh, for me, just to answer the question, I think Thor was my favorite character out of this, uh, and similar, you know, traits that uh, Justin had brought up. But for me, grief, uh, I thought was relatable. I thought there's a lot of human aspects of Thor that was relatable for us as audience. Um, I'll go ahead and admit I didn't see Ragnarok, so I, I was definitely kind of a little thrown at the beginning, like, wait, wait, oh. whoa, okay, so we're right into this. So again, don't You're chastise me, and chastise me that. all you want to, but. I knew I was going to watch YouTube videos everything. after this so I can, you know, get it. Oh, okay, okay, this and this. So, but just because he's so relatable um, and, and this is the most human aspect of that, I really um, aligned with his, his mission, his vengeance, um, being, losing everything and, and deal, you know, playing with the cards he's got and then, you know, makes a cool axe and survives. How cool was that when he survived that sun going through him? That, that, that's pretty yeah. tough. Yeah. All right? That was pretty awesome. Gabriel, one of the one of the things I thought was really cool about Thor um, is that he hasn't gone through that grieving arc yet. He hasn't even touched the surface, right? I mean, he went from, he lost all these people and he lost his brother and he loses his best friend and stuff. And then he goes and he's very detached when he, he meets hasn't the had time, of the galaxy. Right? Yeah. And so when he's, when he's fighting Thanos, like it's not Thor has finally made it and he's back no. or something. He's still like, chest deep in this grief grief and and you get the i get the impression that like the next movie is not going to be a thor who's finally back down to earth or anything like that like the next movie you're still going to have thor really really working through stuff and i i agree and i'm excited to see what thor's like in endgame because i think he's just such a complex character right now he's really really good you know it's I mean, Stormbreaker, Easter egg, regardless, he is just, he's just like, he's at this position where he's like way more, he's way better now than he's probably ever been as a character. Yeah. I, uh, I, I agree. I, I, I guess, I don't Joey, were we going to say our favorite characters? I'm just going to go real quick. Cause we've said, go ahead. Say yeah, yours. Thor so many times. I also, Thor is definitely my favorite character in this movie because he was, um, he, he kind of ties the whole thing together. He's at the beginning and he's at the end. Throughout the whole movie, you get to see what makes Thanos such an awesome um, opponent and how he's so invincible and uh, like 
and and the whole movie Thor is away from that, building up the solution. He's going through his quest so that he can like fight like the ultimate enemy, like to conquer the dragon, like that's guarding the castle at the end of the movie. And I, I just love the way that it all comes together, uh, where Thor ends up being their best hope in the end, and he almost does it, um, which it just feels like a really satisfying arc. Plus, you get to see how powerful he is. Thor is definitely one of the most powerful of all of them. Um, Evan, who's your favorite character? So, um, I guess as a person that's not really coming from like a, a perspective where like I'm a fan of the Marvel universe and I've seen all the movies, um, from like an acting perspective and, and something that like kind of pulled on my heartstrings the most, Gamora's story in this really kind of resonated with me the most. Um, like her just, I mean, there's, there's like several instances where she knows she's going to die and she tries to kill herself, but just the inevitable just keeps happening where uh, she asks um, Star-Lord to shoot her and she can't die. And then she leaves and then she tries to stab herself. And then it's just like the inevitable keeps keeps happening. And just throughout that whole scene, like she's just this really powerful, intelligent, cool, you know, great character who's just just bound for death. And um, I think her delivery just really sold that, too. Um, so I, I just really, I really enjoyed that, I think, the most out of all the characters. That's awesome. Gamora makes it into the favorite characters list. Mm-hmm. Um, a surprising addition, but I think it's definitely warranted. Yeah, Joey, sure. do you want to finish us off with your favorite character? Well, I, I've kind of already gone over it, but yeah, Iron Man, for sure. I really like his suit in this. I really like his character arc in this. In every Avengers movie, Iron Man somehow like develops more as a character, and um, this one is no exception, so. Yeah, a big fan of his, and I think he overshadows almost everyone else in this movie, despite them balancing it so well. Solid. All right, boys, we're about an hour in. Let's keep this thing rolling. Uh, We're (laughs) on to the Easter eggs now, and our first one comes from Anthony. So, Anthony, what Easter egg do you have to bring to us? Oh, uh, so when Hulk is, like, sent down into the, like, their Doctor Strange's sanctum, um, and he has, like, that famous um, Thanos is coming line, that... Actually, in the comics, it's supposed to be Silver Surfer, which, unfortunately, he doesn't exist in the MCU because the Fantastic Four doesn't exist. But <laughs> ah, uh, my heart. S- Silver Surfer, actually, like, he crashes into the, uh, into the Sanctum, and he tells Doctor Strange, like, oh, Thanos is coming. Like, you have to stop Thanos. Oh, very cool. The original comic, by the way, is called the Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, That's the original comic name. It's pretty similar. It's, yeah, it's close. <laughs> All cool. right, uh, Dylan, you have our next one? Yeah, um, and again, I'm really sorry that I get to be the one who shares this because I know a couple of us had this and I just took it from like a dumb Easter egg list online. But for anybody <laughs> who loves Arrested Development, um, I know at least some of you guys watch Arrested Development. Um, to, the character of Tobias Bluth actually sort of appears in this movie. Um, and just to give any backstory, in case you don't know, Tobias is a character who is what's known as a never nude um, in the Arrested Development series, which means that he always wears a pair of denim cutoffs underneath every uh all of his outfits and there's one there are dozens of us yeah <laughs> and there's a really iconic uh scene in the show where he has dyed himself blue because he wants to become a member of the blue man group and then he's crying in the shower and he's wearing his denim cutoffs dyed blue crying in the shower and it's one of the most famous you can see like like memes of it everywhere um and that character actually appears on nowhere when they go to the collector's uh benicio de toro's like warehouse to try to find um this the reality stone i think it is yes um, yep. okay and uh and so a 
apparently what happened is they actually asked uh, David Cross, who's the actor who plays Tobias, if he would appear in the scene and he was like unavailable or, or something. I don't know how you're unavailable for the Avengers, but he was unavailable. Um, <laughs> sorry, and, I'm busy. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, but uh, so they end up like recreating his character. And so if you look just carefully enough for like a split second, there's a guy hidden inside of like an alien tube and he's dyed blue and he's wearing denim cutoffs. Very nice. I definitely didn't see that. that there's I another aspect to this pod, too. But I didn't I actually see him. So. There's another aspect to this too, is that you only see him in there while Thanos is controlling reality. After he reveals what's really going on, he like he's not there anymore. He's no longer in the tube. Therefore, Thanos is an Arrested Development fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Confirmed. Yeah, and Thanos really he plays that scene up a lot. Like his acting is amazing. Where he's like, Why, doctor? <laughs> <laughs> like when you know like in the in the moment it's crazy because you're like, Oh my gosh, they got him, you know? And then yeah. but if you've already quick. seen the movie. Yeah, like if you've already seen the movie, you're like, Oh, Thanos is really like living it up here yeah in the spotlight acting and he has the uh the collector even give him an, a little applause like a bravo Magnificent. yeah <laughs> okay scott you've got our next easter egg yeah um and this one's kind of an overarching thing but every time thanos uses one of the infinity stones it glows in the gauntlet which is kind of a cool way to rewatch the movie because you start to see when he is and isn't using things and what he's using at different times. And there's a lot of stuff online about how he does it. But the one I called out was right in the beginning when Loki goes, you know, we have a Hulk and the Hulk comes out to fight Thanos. Um, and then Ebony Maw, you know, puts a hand on his teammate and it's like, just let him have fun, right? Let him have his fun. And then you see Thanos and Hulk fighting. And like to us as viewers, Hulk is supposed to be this like unstoppable, like train uh, of strength, right? And Thanos has a power stone, so you imagine that the Hulk might lose because Thanos can use an Infinity Gauntlet. But if you look, he do never uses the stone. He just beats the Hulk by pure strength alone. And I thought that was kind of a cool moment in the movie just wow. to identify Thanos as this incredible amount of like, incredible villain and incredibly powerful already that he was able to beat the Hulk just you know, clean Sans without the using any special I, powers. Yeah. It, to add in, um, he does beat Hulk on pure strength alone, but it's I guess like it's not entirely pure strength. Thanos, like without like the Infinity Gauntlet, is pretty much like Hulk level. I guess like just below Hulk level strength. But also has Captain America's like combat training. Like so, he's just as good of a fighter as Captain America. And I mean, like we haven't really touched it ever, but Hulk is not like a like fighter in the sense that he's not like trained he's just like angry and like Rage. hits things really really hard so right. when you have like yeah you can you see know, that you can see thanos being so much faster and quicker and like more nimble than the hulk is exactly and like everything. he hits all of like hulk's like nerve points or you know hits like all like just like strikes him just in the right spots to just overpower him and it's just perfect yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely he has better technique. You know, you yes. see him in there doing an up smash, little rombo combo, <laughs> and like a little jab. He he like a little happy feet. A little happy feet. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, but the fact that his punches land with the force that makes the Hulk even flinch is like surprising. You're like, and oh. it was enough at that point. It's enough not using the Infinity Gauntlet to like get the Hulk scared out of his mind, and Hulk doesn't come back out. And there's all sorts yeah. of complex reasons, I guess, that I 
even don't understand. But no. um, but he yeah he refuses to participate in any more fights against Thanos. So talk about beating what a guy. Yeah. If you get into a fight with somebody and they will never fight you again. They won't even show up when their friends mm-hmm. need you. Like wow. At the risk of their own death. Because if uh, Bruce Banner dies, I don't imagine the Hulk lives on. But the Hulk still can't be bothered because he was so routed by a guy who didn't even use his special power. Yeah, and that's right off the bat. After that, you're like, oh no, this guy's capable of anything. Yeah, this so. is going to be a lot worse than we thought. Yeah. Know? This isn't going to go the way we think. Yeah. Cool. All right, Corey, you've got our next uh, Easter egg. Yeah, and I, so I've never been someone who's really good at spotting little things in movies, and uh, I don't, don't really come into this with a, a whole lot of context to be able to point out just general Easter eggs. So I took the cop-out answer here, and I went with, uh, you have a Stan Lee cameo, which, you know, rest in peace. Uh, it's unfortunate we're, we're not going to be able to see too many more of these. Uh, reportedly, he will have one in the next movie. but He has one last one. Yes, one last one. Uh, but I do think it's a kind of funny one. So in, the, in this case, it was when uh, you have Spider-Man, the, the field trip, uh, they're on a bus on a bridge that's when the spaceships come in and the bus driver is stan lee and he makes that little little comment what you kids have never seen a spaceship before uh, it's just like a classic like new york taxi driver comment um so so that was that was our, our taste of stan lee it wasn't even like a thing that was difficult to spot having a line in it but i do do like some of the other easter eggs you guys have been bringing out very intrigued to keep hearing more of them well yeah and it it is kind of a cop out, but it, you have to have it because this is like the the one ca- like Easter egg that is in all the Marvel films. Mm-hmm. I would li- yeah, I would like to say that that corroborates it's... the theory of of everybody just being used to spaceships. Um, yes, like in uh, where, where were they in, in Europe? <laughs> I forget where they're just Scotland. Scotland, yeah, Scotland, where no one came out because they're all just used to it. Yeah, see, it all fits together. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dylan, right. you've got our next Easter egg. Yeah, and I'll be really quick with this one because I think this is probably one of the most famous Easter eggs um, in the movie, but for Game of Thrones fans, meaning like 75% of the global pop, like more people than would be wiped out from Thanos snapping. Um, <laughs> like this, uh, uh, obviously Peter Dinklage appears in this movie. He is a giant dwarf who helps uh, Thor get his um, Stormbreaker hammer. And... Uh, he uh he has a line he's he tells thor to hold the door um when he's holding the star door open which is obviously like an iconic line that is of course not spoken by peter dinklage in game of thrones but it's a really nice kind of hint at his character to connect him to this universe it's a very tasteful cameo too i must say by peter dinklage that he's like he's playing a dwarf but like the dwarf is more massive than like most of the other characters in the movie it's tasteful it's very nice i liked it it's interesting yeah to see his frame so like so large you know and it see him clomping around when there's making big like stomping noises whenever he walks you don't usually see peter, for me. you don't usually see peter dinklage looking down at you that's true right? and, yeah, yeah. And, but he is also an amazing actor and maybe that would be my only criticism of this is it i don't know if it really demanded all that much of peter dinklage who is a like, spectacular actor uh, this was definitely more on the cameo side where you just are like oh look it's peter oh dinklage. i've seen game of thrones yeah, but also, like, realize he probably has, like, this whole busy schedule for Game of Thrones and is like, yo, let me just, like, make the time real quick to, like, film these incredible scenes of me, like, you know, being a giant dwarf and forging, like, Stormbreaker. And it'll be fucking awesome, and I'll get a free paycheck out of it. <laughs> a free paycheck. <laughs> uh, 
um yes yeah, so that that is uh that is a good one i actually didn't even realize that though i was too focused in on just being in the mcu to even i don't even watch game here. of thrones so that went way over my head so okay gabriel i see you have a few easter eggs here do you want to grab one or two top one yeah or two yeah easter that, eggs? that list isn't uh, indicative of what those are just my notes that i have on okay there. give um, us your easter egg then all right so my first easter egg is the uh god complex for uh thanos and that is six stones, six days. He created God created Earth. Thanos needed six stones. On the seventh day, Thanos rested. So I thought that was a pretty and good parallel. The sunrise. On yeah, watch the sunrise. Universe. Exactly. So he rested. He's he's now retired, Thanos. So uh, that's I guess we're gonna pick up on the next one. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Also, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but uh, snapping with gloves on, metal gloves. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I know it kind of shatters everything, but it's just. I, have, has anyone ever tried snapping? Well, hey, when you have the Infinity Gauntlet, you can just do anything. Well, exactly. Change reality. Yeah. Things you can do. Yeah, change reality. So again, he right, right. So is that what it was? So he snap. changed reality for all of us to snap. But yeah. was that <laughs> reality? Because he changed reality. Does it make it true reality? I don't know. I don't. That's a really good question. Reality I don't know how can that works. be whatever Thanos wants. Like, why are we even having this discussion? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanos' movie. Yeah. Exactly. So I thought those were kind of interesting things that kind of came up, but those are just little yeah. things that are in there. I do love the idea that uh, that Thanos is self-conscious enough about knowing he can't snap in the glove that he anticipates that, and so he <laughs> makes it sound like a snap, so that everyone thinks he did yeah. it. He probably does like make it sound like a snap because you definitely like hear it. Yes, you do. Which is also just really cool because he brought he brings that up. Actually, a couple of characters bring that up. I think where they're like, he could do this with the snap of his finger, like yeah. just very, like this. Yeah, yeah. I, I so, almost don't uh, like how literal that is. See, um, it, it's it's kind of it's almost it's almost cringy. It's like almost too on the nose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a little yeah. bit. Have you guys? Did any of you guys see um, Ant Man and the Wasp? Yes. Yeah. Did you see the the after credit scene when yes. um, Ant Man is in the uh, quantum realm and you hear a snap. And then nobody's there. Oh. It's really cool. It's like it's like like kind of echoes like mystically, like uh, the snap that's heard throughout the universe. Pretty cool. Well, Very cool. Okay. Cool. The world. Huge <laughs> uh, boy, you are yes. Our last set of Easter eggs. So why don't you lay them on us? So I'm gonna go with the the quick one first. So uh, Marvel just being super duper progressive as they've done, especially lately with, uh, Captain Marvel and, uh, Black Panther, but encouraging a robosexual relationship. So, uh, Wanda and Vision are, uh, in the movie, like a couple and they're like doing the thing, but they're definitely like setting it up as they would make their children, uh, Billy Shep, I think it's Billy, I forget his last name, Billy and Tommy, their children, who would become the Young Avengers, Wiccan and Speak. Also, just to piggyback on this, Corvus Glaive and Proxima Midnight, the like uh black order members who like attacked them in Scotland, they're also a couple. That's why, like, oh, you know, they, they were on a date before. Yeah. Yeah, they were like on their like uh walk of this shame. This is their date. date. This is what they do for fun. Let's kill yeah. love you. So, <laughs> yeah, like, walk of shame date and then uh you know the other couple comes in and is like hey let's make this a double date and then like totally like stab vision through the chest actually but, uh, while okay while we're talking about vision getting stabbed through the chest did that weaken vision i i think i meant to bring this up in the cons but like vision kind of seemed like he got nerfed for this movie he kind of he kind of did i don't i'd like so hold on, hold on did he get nerfed or did the stab at the very beginning nerf him I feel like the staff, like the some something like with the staff nerfed his like powers to fate. Okay, because it isn't really like 
phase in this movie. But I'm going to be totally honest. I, I can't explain why, like, he couldn't phase anymore. Because, like, maybe, like, I, I just, like, my only explanation is that when he got stabbed initially, because he wasn't expecting it, his, like, you know, part, like, his, like, robot part that lets him phase was, like, broken. And maybe that's just why he, like, was totally crippled and weak. But that's really, like, all I've got. Okay, no, that's so, fine. I don't mean to derail the Easter but, eggs. Um, it was just something I wanted to bring up. But, yeah, keep no, going with the No, you're fine, because it's, like, a valid point. But um, my next Easter egg requires a little like backstory here. I don't know if you guys have seen Captain America, the first Avenger, yes. part of the phase one films. But the Red Skull appears as the guardian of the Soul Stone on Vormir. Um, He's there because in the first movie, he is whisked away by the Tesseract, revealed to be the Space Stone, to become the guardian of the Soul Stone. He's there because he loves nothing. The Red Skull has no, like, love or physical attachment to anybody or anything. Uh, Thus, he is unable to sacrifice anything to be, uh, to claim the Soul Stone. He couldn't sacrifice his ideology of putting both hands up at the same time, like a double Hitler salute? (laughs) Um, I mean, he could have, but you can't really sacrifice an idea. It's gotta be, like, a physical soul. A soul for a soul, don't you understand? So also, <laughs> um, the reason like why he's able to like live so long, he shares a similar like serum to Captain America. So he's probably like the same age. Only he didn't like sleep through the ice and take a you know ice nap like Captain America did. So you know, God, I thought cool it was really off. cool to like keep all the continuity the same. So it was cool to see him again after like because it could have just they could have had just like some faceless guardian yeah. of the Soul Stone. It was cool to get that reference. Yeah, it was really nice, but. Um, yeah, that was really all like the Easter eggs I wanted to bring up. Okay. But, you know, way to go, Marvel, for being like you know progressive with their robosexual relationships. Yeah, great. one of the most important aspects of this film, there's no doubt. <laughs> um, but it, but also the fact that we didn't even really scratch the surface. Like, there's so much in this movie, uh, like references to any of the other you know 20 films, 21. Films. Oh, there are so. so many references. We we could go on for another hour just references. But we won't. We're going to move on to our quotable moments, and I believe Scott has our first quote. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The first quote. I know what it's like to lose. Feel so desperately that you're right, yet to fail nonetheless. Turns the legs to jelly. If I ask you to what end? Dread it, run from it, destiny arrives all the same. And now it's here. Or should I say, I am. This is a quote by Thanos. Uh, and it's right in the beginning of the movie, and it's as he's introduced as the villain of the film. Um, and I thought it was interesting for a couple reasons. The first one, because it shows how sure he is he's going to win. Um, and how, and it, you know, we talked about it in the pros for Thanos. We even talked about it in the cons for Thanos. But he is so, he's, he does have this level of empathy you don't see in a lot of villains. And so he's relating to Thor, in this case, and Thor and Loki, about just what it means to have lost everything and to think that you know what you're doing. Um, But it's also interesting, I think, because it's the very beginning of this movie 
and it will come around at the end of Endgame when the heroes, I, you know, hypothetically, when the heroes find a way to solve the problem uh, and to, to, to stop Thanos, it'll be the same quote that he has to face again in his own mind to know that he was so sure he was right and, and he failed all the same. Wow. Um, so I thought it was kind of cool. And for it to be the yeah. first moment of this movie, it feels like a, an intentional thing. Yeah, and uh, Thor also, also mentions fate. He talks about how fate kept him alive and how it, he's only alive because that fate, fate wills it. Wills and um, uh, Thanos also references fate here, saying that destiny arrives all the same. But also, like, this is like people who say, um, uh, life isn't fair, and then they do something unfair to you. You know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I know what it's like to hey. lose. It's like, yeah, okay, well, don't do that to me, please. <laughs> you know how bad it is. You're the reason this is happening. Okay, so um, next up, I think Cooch Boy's got our next quote. Yes. <sighs> You're a kid. You're an Avenger now. Uh, this is said by Tony Stark to Spider-Man. And I kind of have to put some setup to this just because, like, you know, originally, like, Spider-Man was not a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I thank uh, North Korea every day for giving me Spider-Man in the MCU. And yes, like, thank you, North Korea. Thank you. And what are your many gifts? Like, <laughs> yeah, what are your many gifts, North Korea? But, um, but yeah, like, Spider-Man's in the MCU now. And it's, like, a big thing in the comics where, like, you know, Spider-Man becoming an Avenger is kind of, like, wow. Like, this, like, once, like, teenage, you know, uh, teenage superhero is now, like, in his own, is, like, a part of, like, the big leagues. And, it, like, you can just kind of see it like, when you watch the movie that Peter just kind of, like, goes through this, like, you know role of emotions where he's like wow like this is it i'm a part of like the the big time here so it was nice to uh it was nice to kind of like see that in the movie and like i don't know it's also like a big thing where um there's an easter egg um in iron man 2 that they i guess like retconned into existence but in iron man 2 uh, the kid that he saves during the Stark Expo that, like, has, like, the in the Iron Man mask and, like, he pulls his hand out, that's Peter Parker. Really? Like, yeah, oh, as, like, an eight-year-old kid. Huh. Hmm. Um, that's supposed to be Peter Parker. And, and obviously, it's kind of like a, I mean, totally honest, it's kind of like a retcon. That does sound like a retcon to me. It but, is but, like a uh, retcon. At but... the same time, I think it's really cool that in this movie, he, like, fully becomes the Iron Spider. Uh, like yeah. he kind of levels up and gains the the Doc Ock kind of like tentacles almost coming out of the back the of spider him. legs, yeah, yeah. Um, but and he uh, knew how to use them too. Yeah, yeah he really oh, did yeah. use well, them well. He, actually, they, intuitive. They, yeah, intuitive. Yeah, they actually do <laughs> yep. explain that away with one line. <laughs> They're ridiculously intuitive. But, but no, uh, I I really do like this scene too uh, when he says this specific line. All right, kid, you're an Avenger now because you see Peter like well with pride and then realize exactly what that means. Yeah. You know, like, like, oh, he's like. This like, is it. There's no going back now. Yeah. With great power, right, you guys? Yeah, with great power. What's up, for? <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I believe Anthony has our next quote. Oh, Father's given me strength. You understand, boy? You're about to take the full force of a star. It'll kill you. Only if I die. <sighs> yes, that's what killing you means. <laughs> I love this quote. I, I think this is one of the funniest quotes in the, the whole thing. I mean, Peter Dinklage's screen time is like really low. Um, but it's just, it's like so funny. I think this movie has like a bunch of really well timed comedic relief, especially during this. This is like 
pretty much the climax you know like like thor has he's like flexing on them and like holding the full force of a star to like build his hammer that will take down thanos axe but yes uh, the axe excuse me but yeah, yeah and i i agree with the flexing on you too was super epic because it's not him just like holding a lever down or something it's him totally hitting like a mr universe like uh muscle pose like uh, like something that arnold schwarzenegger would definitely be proud to see thor doing uh which made that <laughs> oh, yes I'm made so that proud. i'm so proud yeah. of your lifting wow look at this form <laughs> which actually while we're talking about that um when arnold was in um what's that movie the barbarian conan when he was playing conan he has a quote where this woman's like nothing must hurt you and he's like only pain (laughs) 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 which is uh, a little bit like only if i die (laughs) yeah so yeah great quote there from uh or thor uh thanos thor it's from thor it's not thanos okay uh anthony you also have our next quote you throw another moon at me and i'm gonna lose it stark you know me i do you're not the only one cursed with knowledge i so i love this this is probably my favorite quote in the whole thing so who says this again um this is uh thanos uh and tony stark like talking to each other and this is the first time that they talk to each other. Like, like obviously they've been fighting, so that's a little different. But uh, it's the first time that they had a conversation, and it's kind of like this realization of like these. Tony's not really a madman, but like a man of knowledge. He knows like what's coming. Like he's he's seen it like through the um, the tesseract. Like it's like in his brain of this idea that like all of his friends are gonna die, and that's like. But Thanos. I feel like almost like willed that vision into him to show him what was like coming. Who had that vision? Who was the one who like Im- Tony did? To- that was Tony's that was, vision. That was in uh, the Tony's- second Avengers, and it was the the Mind Stone before it like became Vision. It like hits Tony, and it like oh yeah, and it like influences yeah. him, and it essentially sends him down the dark path that makes Ultron. Ultron. But and inevitably, it's the vision that he's cursed with that Thanos had like willed into him oh my gosh that's so cool the dichotomy of thanos and tony stark is one of the best parts of not just like this movie but of the marvel cinematic universe like i said earlier in that tony stark is almost like the the pre-tragedy thanos he sees it coming and is doing everything he can to prevent it even though like and people like i guess like in a way people have called him mad because he like makes ultron and like they have a whole like movie about it but Again, like, he tries to, like, stop this, like, you know, epic destiny of everyone dying that, like, is about to happen. And ultimately, he fails. He, like, the snap still happens. He couldn't stop it. Yeah. And so it's interesting to see what will happen in Endgame now that, you know, like, the tragedy has, like, occurred. And he's now, like, become a fully realized Thanos, I guess, is the right way to put it um but uh, i mean we'll see yes well we'll, we will we will get to the uh, predictions shortly but first we have one last quote from gabriel gabriel go ahead all right so uh mine is did you do it yes What did it cost? 
everything. Yeah, so this is a. Uh, I thought this was pretty good too, and and one of the main reasons why I pick this quote between uh, Thanos and Gamora was uh, the timing. And I knew the timing perfectly, so I was able to say everything before Thanos did. So basically, it makes me Thanos. And right. I definitely felt, I felt like it was a good kind of closure to uh, finally, it finally happened. You know, this finally happened. I finally snapped my fingers and wiped, you know, made people turn to dust. Half of the people. So I thought that was yeah. pretty good to kind of tie that in as short as it was. What were you going to say? Well, it's it's an important part in the movie because this is right after Thanos gets like a mortal wound and then he snaps his fingers. And have you guys thought about where he goes, where this quote actually takes place? So I actually I, feel like I, I have it to. Well, I feel like I have Anthony, I have an you go. You don't yeah, do by all means, please. So I think the Soul Stone it's it's like different from all the other stones. I think it acts like the reason you have to give a soul to like to get the Soul Stone is you're essentially sacrificing someone so you can live twice. I think it's it acts as a second life, and that's the one thing about like I feel like a, a part of the plan that Thanos probably didn't consider is that if you snap your fingers and half the universe ceases to exist and it's random, you could become part of that. Which is like why the idea of like his ambition to do it—it it doesn't matter if it costs him everything, including himself—and mm. that's why he like goes into the Soul Stone to to like regain his second life. Uh, and essentially it costing him everything because everyone dies, including himself. Right, so th is that where all of our heroes are? They are inside of the Soul Stone when they That's get taken away? All, That's a theory. All, like all the... All the ones who disappear at the end of the movie. The ones who, I don't feel so good, Tony. Stark. Oh, they like disappear into the Soul Stone? Yes. It's well, possible. Because yeah. people are saying that's what he's seeing is he's seeing young Gamora because she's dead already so she's inside the soul stone right and uh yeah maybe that's the key um what's the capacity is, for that well um, soul stone yeah how many souls could it could it download? half the universe about half the universe 256 <laughs> gigabytes of souls oh yeah <laughs> um, okay also, okay oh go ahead sorry. go ahead Cooch. i was going to clarify on anthony's like explanation it's not just a second life it's infinite lives oh. with the soul stone you can't die your soul goes into the soul stone and then you can just like chill out, chill out till like everybody's gone, everything's you're dead, and then just pop back out in your real body and be like, oh, hey, Lamau, I'm still alive. <laughs> oh, hey, Lamau. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, it's basically like immortality. And then, um, like when he sees Gamora in there, which is another like comic book reference, but um, Gamora's soul, at the very least, is still in the soul stone. Okay. Or part of it is. Okay, so. I think this is a good time to pivot to our final segment. We are in the home stretch here, boys. Uh, our predictions for Endgame. And again, I'm going to get Corey to go in on this one because I feel like we haven't heard enough from Corey. All right, so you want me to start with my prediction? Yes. Yeah. All right, so my prediction is after defeating Thanos, Tony Stark, the long-lost nephew of Ned Stark, claims the Iron Throne. <laughs> Dang! Crossover got a Game of Thrones reference. This is nice. Oh boy. Okay. Um. Let's move. Okay. Who, who wants to go next? Let's go, Dylan. Dylan, what do you think is going to happen to Endgame? Um. This isn't. This is maybe half a prediction and half an Easter egg. But my prediction, which is somewhat verified by the trailers, is that Thor will drink craft beer. Um. <laughs> 
And which which one? Which no, one? And yeah, and, uh, from which brewery? No, and, uh, I want to go. No, there. I actually, I actually really have to give the shout out. The brewery which Anthony and Ben have both been to is in Athens. It's Creature Comforts, the brewery. Oh. That there is a shot in the trailer where Thor is like sitting at the table, grieving the loss of half of the universe, but he's also sipping on a Creature Comforts beer. Like, go, <laughs> go, look this up. Look this up. It was a huge like local news deal for for my college town because I went I went to school um, in Athens at UGA. And yeah, so shout out to our lovely Creature Covers Brewery, uh, favored by the gods, even <laughs> in the apocalypse. <laughs> and favored by the gods in the apocalypse. So yeah, yeah. that's oh that's my, my prediction. Okay, that's a great prediction. Uh, let's go with Scott next. Scott, what do you think is going to happen to Endgame? I think, um, and I thought a lot about this, and I think that at some point before the end of the movie, the Guardians of the Galaxy will update uh, the iPod that they listen to their music on uh, with some modern music. I think it's a Zune, isn't it? Oh, a Zune? Oh, right. Yeah. Well, maybe they'll buy one. an iPod and it's then the only they'll one had have one. updated music. <laughs> yeah, the only one ever sold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Or they'll get like a Spotify account. Yeah. <laughs> An intergalactic Spotify account? Like, I don't know. Let's see what happens. <laughs> All right, um, Anthony, why don't you give us your prediction? Um, so I actually, my, mine's a little more in depth. Um, so I actually have a few like quotes uh, to like back up what I think is going to happen. Okay. Um, so they're actually they're all from Doctor Strange, and and just to reference, he's the only character to have seen all these different realities via the Time Stone. So, but his his first quote is, uh, "All right, Stark, we'll go to him. But you have to understand, if it comes to saving you or the kid or the Time Stone, I will not hesitate to let either of you die." I can't because the universe depends on it. Um, and right, like that's when he realizes like if I've got to escape or I can't let Thanos have the time stone. Absolutely not. Um, the next quote would, is uh, I went forward in time to view alternate futures and see all the possible outcomes of the coming conflict. Uh, how many did you see? 14,605,000. And they only win one. Um, then, then obviously they have their brawl with Thanos, uh, which like, which to me it's like, okay, Star Lord claims that he came up with this plan, but Doctor Strange just saw the one where they won. So like he just like you do this, you do that, you do this, and we're gonna win. But obviously they don't win, which is that's not something that Doctor Strange wouldn't have seen. He would have saw that uh, Star Lord was gonna like fail them essentially. Um, and his his last quote that I have, um, and it's right when essentially Doctor Strange fades away. He says, "Like Tony, there there was no other way. Uh, no, like Doctor Strange knew that this was going to happen. Like that, like half the universe was going to cease to exist. But maybe in the specific way that they did it, left the core Avengers left alive, and that's like their mission to like go out and fight Thanos and essentially defeat him. Um, is is, is how it's going to end. Okay, that one's actually could come true. <laughs> I um, I also have something to follow up on. That, yes, go ahead. Kind of you give prediction. us your prediction." So this is kind of a, a, a big one, so you're going to have to bear with me a little bit. So as Scott pointed out earlier, whenever Thanos uses an Infinity Stone, the stone glows. And it's not just Thanos using it. Whenever any character uses the Infinity Stone, mainly the Time Stone, it glows. All the stones glow when they're being used. But in the scene where Doctor Strange surrenders the Soul Stone, or the Soul Stone, the Time Stone, the stone glows, so he's actively using the time stone as we like, as we speak. Mm. So there's a theory, and I'm gonna you know, let me like finish up the scene here. So he gives Thanos the time stone, and he says like no tricks or whatever, and like you know 
Doctor Strange like shakes his head because it is the real time stone. It's the real time stone, but I think that it's a time stone from the future. Oh. And so oh. um he gives Thanos the future time stone and has the real one tucked away at the Sanctum Sanctorum, which is why Wong was so adamant about returning there. And then from there, uh, which is, this is also why, like, when Thanos does the snap, his whole, like, gauntlet, like, you know, melts and disintegrates. Because, like, in the comics, you could snap, like, 80 billion times and the gauntlet's fine. So something has to be, like, incorrect that makes this, like, gauntlet totally, like, burn itself and melt into his arm. So this would, like, which kind of goes into this theory, is that there might be some time travel shenanigans in Endgame because the Avengers will have a way to access the true times or the the real I mean I guess real is like a, a bad word but like the the true time Another. stone and they'll be able to like travel around in time and like you know get the thing and that might actually be like true so I don't I don't really know you know but yeah, that's, that's, my, that's, that's what thought. your prediction is I like that that's a what lot, my though. prediction is I think that like and th- and like this is Doctor Strange's plan all along is that there is no other way because in order for like the plan to work Thanos has to be like unaware and Thanos has to think he's he's one and that that's it and then like and I'm just gonna like be totally you know on a on a meme here uh Tony Stark will whip out the real time stone and be like hey Laval let me go like back through time and like don't you make the like super armor and then just totally crush you don't you have to know like Doctor Strange magic to use the time stone though Kuchwe like he like he had to like study it in that secret ancient book yeah but Thanos doesn't really know any like you know magic and Thanos is able to like turn back time to save quote-unquote vision but right but Thanos has the infinity gauntlet something that is able to do yeah able to do something like that like is do you think that Tony's gonna like invent something that can that probably use the stones or or maybe maybe like Tony will invent a time machine does the infinity gauntlet still exist I know it got like you know it looked like it was malfunctioning at the end there I've also heard of like the that they go back to the dwarf mm-hmm. and they like make a new infinity gauntlet because uh, they reopened the, uh, for the, the portal or, or whatever for the right hand this time yeah <laughs> yeah sure you never know it's actually a shoe variant <laughs> <laughs> the infinity shoe dude infinity okay infinity that would actually boots. move some some serious merchandise for marvel yeah if there was the infinity shoe the infinity championship <laughs> belt yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Championship belt. It's a title. Like yeah. I'm the grace of the universe. Yeah. Hold the infinity belt. Yeah, the infinity war champion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, oh, no, but man, I still, I, I would definitely buy some air Thanoses. That. <laughs> <laughs> Is it light up? Oh, it's got yeah, they light up with the stones. Yeah. They just yeah. they just rebrand Skechers light up shoes. Collect all the stones. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. Okay, I believe we still have two more predictions to get from Evan and Gabriel. Evan, you can go first. So I, I mean, like I'm I'm a pretty much an outsider in this, but I thought that was a really interesting point that uh, uh, that Cooch Boy made. That like, okay, so Thanos is basically. Like the equivalent strength of, uh, like uh, the Hulk. Hulk. But he has now he has all of his Captain powers Americans. are gone, and oh. but also like he's not even really a threat anymore, right? Because he's accomplished his goal, and now he's just chilling. So it's it's just like okay, why do they don't even need to attack him anymore? 
theoretically. That's actually that's a good Whoa. point. Is I heard somebody talking about this on a some podcast, but they were like, "What if stuff is actually great? Like, what if Thanos is right and everyone in the universe is enjoying like peace mm-hmm. and prosperity, and they don't want the Avengers to go and reverse yeah. it? So, like, what if they don't need the Avengers anymore? <laughs> yeah. What if like all that's the conflict good, has my, been solved? Half of my coworkers are jerks, so I'm glad they so, disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> thus, thus, if they if they were to um, get reality to back to the way that they wanted it to to be like how it was originally then they would have to go back in time um to actually make that goal happen so that that does seem pretty credible um yeah. well i i just think it's interesting what if we're rooting for thanos in this one where like the villains are the avengers who <laughs> through their own hubris they're like the universe shouldn't exist if we don't all exist we want to come back and thanos mm-hmm. is like no i've created true prosperity what if he's yeah, right I mean, that's how you could like see this movie right is that like you could definitely like through like Thanos' viewpoint, he's definitely like the hero of this movie. Yeah, makes so, him compelling. It makes him super compelling. That's why it really. Does. That's why he's such a legend. All right, um, we've got one more. Gabriel, go ahead and give us your end game prediction. I'm kind of in the same boat as uh, Evan here with the not knowing the full details of everything. Um, I've I've done the research that I, I felt like I needed to do for this video. Um, or not for this podcast. <laughs> but basically, I, my predictions are uh, we're going to see Captain America. And we've kind of touched on this. He's gonna make a he's gonna make a stink. Um, Tony Stank <laughs> is gonna make a stink as well. And I think um, I think Hulk will finally get will finally get an understanding of why he he's got that internal battle. Maybe something finally compels him to be oh. released. I think we'll see that. I think uh, I was really expecting once the snap happened that all the uh, Infinity Stones would separate like a Dragon Ball Z and then set, you know go across the galaxy and they'd have to go. <laughs> time to find it again you know um so but i think it's the most wild prediction i have is that uh, thanos is going to play a part and maybe have to sacrifice himself maybe something he has to do that only he can do and then his exchange for his life or something he does uh, is going to save uh, our heroes so that's that's my prediction okay. but i don't think it's too wild okay so like uh i guess joey and i would throw in a couple of our predictions in as well but my mine's kind of general i think that we're gonna have some avengers die forever in this one um like i, yeah. I think that mm. there's a good chance that some of the more tenured characters will either die or be removed in a meaningful way where we won't see them anymore in the in the future movies and that will open up more space for the youth to rise to more relevance. Spider-Man and Black Panther are definitely not gone forever, and they're they're clearly going to take on more of a leadership role in this organization. So I could definitely see us losing the likes of Tony Stark, the likes of Captain America, the likes of Thor. Like I could see all of those characters having epic deaths in Endgame uh, because we yeah. know that the MCU can continue on the backs of these new young superstar superheroes who haven't had as much time in the spotlight. I agree with that. The end of an era. Yes. So, the what end about of an era? My my uh, prediction is uh, pretty short and sweet. I think uh, Captain Marvel is going to stop Thanos by kicking him in the balls, um, symbolizing the end of the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. We did. Like Marvel will be like, we did it. Yes. Our goal was <laughs> Yeah. The end will just say hashtag we did it. <laughs> I'm surprised no one has brought up the like. Ant Man uh, defeats Thanos by like crawling up his oh, ass. <laughs> that you guys see that? Uh, somebody out. asked Paul Rudd about that. Yeah, somebody did. <laughs> there was an interview with Paul Rudd where they, they asked him specifically about that. What did he say? He said no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. He was a little disturbed, but other than that, yeah. Okay. Um. So here we have reached the end of our Avengers Infinity War episode, which, as you guys, is obvious to us now, this is by far the most ambitious crossover in podcasting history. We want to thank <laughs> all of you guys for taking the time to join us on this epic, epic episode of Affable Chat. Um, so yes, we just want to say thank you. Joey, looking forward, what are we doing next on Affable Chat? The next movie we're doing is Point Break from 1991. Excellent. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up. I think we've gone on long enough, so we'll end it here for Affable Chat. I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Affable Chat. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. If you have a question, comment, or want to request something for us to talk about, you can reach us at our Twitter account, at AffableChat, or our email, affablechat at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. I know what it's like to lose. To feel so desperately that you're right about comic book movies, yet to fail nonetheless. It's frightening. Turns the legs to jelly. But I ask you to what end? Dread it, run from it, destiny arrives all the same. And now it's here. Or should I say, I am.